Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. So it's always important um, to pray and to seek God all the time, for He is truly our strength. He is our guide. He is why we do what we do, and only through Him can we do that. I think sometimes we fool ourselves and think that, you know, we don't need God. Many people would even say that they don't need God, atheists maybe, or even agnostics would say that. They think that, oh, we have all these great technologies, all these great advances, we don't really need God. In fact, I can prove there isn't one. I can make a baby. They might say, I can put fowls in a cloud and you can pull them down whenever you want to. They may say, I can put a desert, I can put a beach in the desert like Dubai, right? I can do that. But all of these things give us just an illusion that we're in control and that we have the power to create. But there still remain a lot of things that we cannot do without the power of God. And one of those things that we cannot do in our human strength, when we come upon them, we often refer to them as supernatural because they extend beyond our natural abilities. We talked about one of them last week, the ability to love our enemies is a supernatural thing to do. And we're going to continue talking about that today and that we're going to learn that forgiveness also is a supernatural ability that comes from God. It's a supernatural choice. And studying Romans 12, we're learning about becoming a Romans 12 Christian. We're learning that we need this supernatural strength to overcome the evil that is thrown at us. The supernatural Christian or the Romans 12 Christian is one who's confident in Christ and able to love others and themselves. It's only this life through Christ that this is possible. In talking about the proper response to evil that is thrown at us, Pastor last week introduced us to this mind-altering revelation. We've heard it before. But he challenged us to actually do it. We know that the Bible tells us to love our enemies. He focused on that. But he told us last week that when we make that supernatural choice to love our enemies, we are revealing our Father God. And to forgive others is absolutely a supernatural choice to let it go. Can you guys repeat that after me? The supernatural choice choice. to let it go. go. I can hear some of you already. How are you going to tell me to let it go? I realize that's not something you say to somebody that's hurting, somebody that may have an offense, somebody that may have had a deep hurting wound. But my hope is to give you a new perspective that these words will encourage you and that you would understand that forgiveness and letting it go is not letting the offense go, but letting it go. Letting it go. What is it? What is it? No matter what the offense is, I promise you the response is the same. If someone tries to uh, take your place at work, the response is the same. If someone tries to violate you physically, the response is the same. If someone comes in and robs your home, the response is the same. What it is that we are letting go, the it, is fear. 
offense is to create fear because fear is the opposite of love. I fear I will never be loved. I fear being hurt again. I fear him or her leaving me. I fear not being awarded for my work. I fear being taken advantage of. Now, fear isn't very popular in our society, and we won't ever say that we're afraid. We like to say, I'm angry. But anger comes from fear. I can't control something, so I fear being out of control. 1 John 4.18 says that perfect love casts out all fear. So when we say let it go, we're saying release the intent of the offense. Release that which that wants to hold you hostage to some degree. I will release the impact of the offense. I will not be held hostage to fear. What they did wasn't right, but I won't be in fear anymore. I will let it go. I will supernaturally choose to forgive. Now, I want to take an opportunity to look at the difference between when we decide to respond to fear or respond to evil that is thrown to us, and we try to do this in our own strength, and when we respond to the evil that is thrown to us the way that God intends for us to do that. I am going to ask for two volunteers uh, really quickly if they could help me out. All right, come on up, Jada. Anybody else? Come on, thank you. Give them a hand, please. You have one, and you have one. Thank you, thank you. So I'm going to show you guys a picture. See that picture? See that? And I'm going to ask you to draw the picture. Okay. Okay, you can go ahead and draw. Before you get started, though, before you draw your picture... Okay, I want you to go ahead and draw your picture on that. All right, all right. Now, while they're drawing, I do want to um, continue to encourage you to stay tuned because I know Pastor preached on forgiveness last week. His intent was to just get our minds ready and wrap our minds around what God told us to do. The intent today is, okay, God, I'm ready. How do I do it? So we're going to talk a lot about the practicality of doing it. Maybe, not maybe, the Lord definitely did a work in your heart last week. And maybe some of you weren't here. And so you, don't, you haven't heard about forgiveness. But I want you to listen as to why we really need to pay attention again. Oftentimes when you're in school, the teacher says something twice. If you're a good student, you're like, oh, okay, that's going to be on the test. And so you kind of highlight it or you write it down. Forgiveness is always going to be on the test. Another reason I think we, it's important that we talk about it is because maybe last week when the Lord did a healing work in you, you thought about an immediate offense, something that's happened recently. But our God is a great God. He doesn't leave anything half done. He wants to heal a lot of the other things that may be bothering you. And here's the thing. You may not even know what's bothering you because you've carried it around for so long. You think you walk like this. And you've forgotten that that's unforgiveness that you're dragging along on your foot. It don't bother you no more. This is how I walk. Right? And so the Lord, he's here to do a complete work. And so we want to focus on that. Our ladies have gotten this done. All right. Okay. Tell everybody your name. Maya. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Maya, for coming up here. Thank you for your humility that it didn't bother you. I called you the wrong name. We appreciate you, Maya. So when I asked you to draw and then I came over here and crumbled up your paper, how did that make you feel? It gave me a challenge. That's all. 
It gave you a challenge, that's all. Okay, all right. And um, when you started to draw, what was that challenge that you found? Trying to keep the pen steady while I was trying to draw the heart and the cross. And why was it unsteady for you? Because of the ripples in the paper. The ripples in the paper. Okay, all right. Was there a certain part of the heart that was a little more difficult or a certain part of the cross that was a little more difficult? I guess kind of scaling it a bit, maybe. Oh, <laughs> that's an artistic term. You want to explain to the people what you meant by that? <laughs> the artist came up here, okay. Um, kind of keeping everything um, symmetrical, let me say that. So it's like side. even on each side. <laughs> She's our college student. We thank you so very much. <laughs> thank you for helping us. Thank you, Maya. And how was the drawing? Tell us your name. Jay. Hey, Jay. How are Hi you? There. I'm great. Thank you for volunteering. Okay. How was it drawing the heart for you? Well, it was, it was simple because the paper wasn't crumpled, but still just trying to get the heart inside of it, it was a little difficult. A little challenging? Yes. But you got it done. Got it done. Okay, good, good. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Y'all give these ladies a hand. Yeah. All right, I appreciate you all. These pieces of paper, they represent our hearts. And sometimes the cares of life come and they create folds and wrinkles in our heart. And some of us blame God for it. Sometimes people come and they create folds and wrinkles in our heart. And we blame them for it. And we hold on to unforgiveness still trying to do the work that God has asked of us to do. So our work, as Maya has said, isn't always the right size, isn't always symmetrical. It isn't always the best that it could be because of the difficulty of trying to work through the humps, the bumps, the waves that unforgiveness causes. But if we let it go, we can create something along with God Put, put all of that at his feet, and he can allow us to continue to work for him with a little bit more ease, with a little bit more grace, with a little bit more beauty. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you guys again. Why am I listening to this again? To let it go. Why am I listening to this again? To check your heart. Because maybe you think you don't have unforgiveness in your heart. Here's a symptom check. Do you feel that you need to be separated from this person? And let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit is very active and alive. And as I read this list, if somebody comes to your mind, if you see somebody's face, even if you thought it was gone, that's the prayer. That's the prayer we're praying, that he's going to reveal these things, and he's not only going to reveal them, he's going to heal them. Do you feel to need, the need to be separated from them? You say things like, oh, I forgive them. But I just don't want to be around them. You intentionally avoid them when possible. You have trouble looking them in the eyes when talking to them. Always going through your purse, packing your bag. You keep conversations real short. Do you pretend not to be available when you know they need help? You got a project at work. And that's your nature, to help people. God's giving you an eye to see where things need to be done, but you kind of keep quiet in the meeting. Oh, they'll figure it out. You complain to others about them. Maybe you don't start the conversation, 
but you join in. You blame the other person for the hurt and pain rather than taking personal responsibility. It's what they did to you. Or it's what God allowed. Because unforgiveness isn't just towards people. Some of us are unforgiving towards God. You don't want them to touch you. You're in a prayer circle. You make sure you're on the opposite side. You blame God and you say, why did you let this happen to me? Here's why it's really important. You find it hard to pray. You're praying and your prayer starts off right, but then in your prayer somehow you start thinking about what you should have said or how you should have said it or maybe just rehearsing what they said to you. Maybe you don't think mean things about them. I'm in the shower thinking about what they said to me. You don't want to hear what the word of God says about the situation. Forgiveness again. Didn't we preach about this last week? Where does your heart fall? Perhaps we have fallen on one or multiple areas when we're talking about consequences of unforgiveness. Bellevue Christian Counseling gave a definition of unforgiveness. They said that unforgiveness is the state of emotional and mental distress that results from a delayed response in forgiveness of the offender. It's characterized by indignation, anger, bitterness, and the demand for punishment or restitution. Unforgiveness creates a domino effect that negatively impacts every part of your life. You mad at somebody else, but you yelling at the kids. You come home because of something that happened at work, and everybody at home wish you were back at work. (laughs) Or you go to work, and everybody at work wondering what's happening at home. But it doesn't just show up there in how you think and how you behave. It also can show up in our bodies and in our spirits. Anxiety, depression, health problems can be the result of unforgiveness. A lot of times people say, oh, yeah, just give it time and I'll get over it. But with unforgiveness, time only worsens it. It doesn't heal it. It entangles us like a web. And feeding on unforgiveness is very, very toxic. If that isn't enough reason to let go, ultimately, you cannot do what God asked you to do. You cannot hear him. You cannot follow him with unforgiveness in your heart. Your service to him is a bit raggedy. Okay. You got my attention. But how? I want to forgive, but how? How do I do this? God doesn't ask us to do something that he's not going to equip us to do. The biggest equipper is your Holy Spirit. You yield to him. We repent, and then we follow his word. Let's look at Romans 12. We're going to read verses 19 through 21. Romans 12. 19 through 21. It says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, 
but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How? How do I do this? How do I forgive? Number one, do not avenge yourselves. Number two, give to him or her. Number three, overcome evil with good. So in verse 19, again, he says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For there is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. A lot of times when people offend us, we want to get them back. And in certain situations, maybe um, pursuing legal matters may be necessary. But even in those things, we can still walk out forgiveness as we're not taking vengeance into our own hands. We're not plotting the destruction of someone. That's what sinners do. It does not promote peace when we try to get back at people. And God told us, blessed are the peacekeepers, right? Those who pursue peace. That's what he's called us to do. One of the fruit of the spirit is peace. So how can I be a Christian and plotting to get someone back who hurt me? That's counteractive to my Holy Spirit. That's what you call grieving the Holy Spirit because you have to override that. I'm sure he's spoken to you now. That's not right. Yeah, well, but that's grieving the Holy Spirit, saying I don't need you, I got it. When he was sent to help us walk out this life. Also, it usurps God's authority. It doesn't give God an opportunity to deal with that person as he so fits. Of course, we know that our God is a loving God. He's not going to dig a pit for him. So we have to be like Jonah and say, okay, God, I know you're going to save him. Jonah wanted God to get the people of Nineveh. He was mad when God had plans of salvation for them. He didn't want to participate in that because he was angry. But he said, my God is loving towards me and my disobedience. How much more should I allow him to be loving towards them and their disobedience? Let God have his perfect work in them. Do not avenge yourselves. That's simple. Don't plan evil towards them. That's it. Let's knock that out the way. Okay, well, I wasn't planning evil towards them, but I still don't quite feel like I've forgiven them. Well, here's number two. Give to him. Give what to him? Verse 20 says, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Give to him food or drink. All of us are human. All of us need to eat. All of us need to drink. If we stop that at a certain period of time, our bodies will begin to respond, and we will ultimately no longer be here, right? So we would all agree that food and drink is a what necessity. Give to him or her who has offended you the necessity. Give to him or her what it is that they need the most. So in thinking about that person the Holy Spirit may have brought to you, what is it they need the most? Do they need you to help them on that project? Mm, Probably not. It'd be nice. But what do they need the most? A sensitive heart towards God. 
Because we've been studying Romans 12, we can see back here that it told us to bless those who persecute us. Bless and do not curse. And that word bless means to speak highly of them. To speak blessings upon them. What do they need? They need God. So how? How do I forgive? I speak kindly to them and I speak kindly about them. So if I'm in a situation where their name comes up, oh, I'm just going to keep quiet. My mama told me if you got nothing nice to say. That's that limp. Because you think you, you've forgiven, but you haven't. In a situation where I was, uh, in 2010, I was at a job that I, I hated. But God told me to stay there. I saw his huge foot right over the place where I work. I was so ready to quit. I, I saw the CEO's car in the parking lot one day, and I said, I hope she's here to fire me. Please. I hated this job. And so there was a guy who knew that I worked with this very difficult woman, and he would come to me and talk to me about her, and I would just say nice things. And he was like, come on, tell me what you really think about her. And I said, she lives an extraordinary life. She lives an exemplary life. She thinks everything is an exemption in her life. That's what I meant. That's not what I told him. I just said he, she lives an exemplary life, an extraordinary life, speaking positively about her until I did mean it. And I began to see her worth. She's a woman of influence. She was a woman of great ideas. She was a woman of determination that gets things done. None of that is untrue. It's the way in which she may have been using what she was doing. I, I may have said it was manipulation, but I'm trying to speak positively about her, trying to bless her, trying to encourage her to use the gifts and the talents that God has given us. Because the truth be told, if I use my gift and talent the opposite way, we can have some different names for it. I know the Lord has called me to be an encourager, but just as easy as it is to encourage, it's easy to say some different words, right? Amen. So we bless them. We give them what they need. We give them prayer, and we speak kindly towards them. It also says, in doing so, you will heap coals of fire upon their head. Now, many people like to take this to say, if I'm doing right, something bad is going to happen to somebody. Um, but I think if we look at this idiom, it's going to help us kind of figure it out. Now, idiom is a saying that's true to the time, and it's kind of specific to the era. And so you have to quite understand what they mean in order to apply it to today. An example of that was about uh, almost 40 years ago in the 1980s, if I maybe had said, that's real dope. You might think something different. You might think um, I got a wiretap and somebody going to jail. That's real dope. But today, you might think I'm talking about um, fashion or music or an event that happened, oh, yeah, that was real dope. That was real cool. That was, we had a good time. But in the 80s, it didn't mean that. It meant real drugs, right? And so here, that's what this is saying. We have to go back to their time and figure out what it meant to heat coals of fire upon someone's head. Some people say that it, it meant to make them ashamed. Uh, but I don't think that that really goes with the rest of the message in, in this passage. I think it means that when in that time and era, Everything done in the house required fire. Kind of like your house predominantly is run by electricity. If 
you want to wash clothes, if you want to cook, if you want to take a bath, all of that is run by electricity. And so back then, everything was run by fire. But can you imagine if you didn't have fire, if you didn't have any more coals, what might you do? You knock on somebody's door. You say, you got some burning hot coals. I need to take it with me. Well, you got this hot pot. You put it on your head, and you run back to your house, and you get your house up and running again because it's a necessity to have fire in your house. So what do we do? We give to them who have offended us the necessity for their house, the necessity for their temple. They need the Holy Spirit. They need their Savior, and that's what we give to them, by praying for them and speaking kindly above them. So how do I forgive? I put away designs and ideas of getting back to them. I do not avenge myself. How do I forgive? I bless them, and I give to them what they need. I heap coals of fire upon their head, giving them their necessities. Number three, I overcome evil with good. I win them over for the bad things that they do. I do good things. Let's look at Genesis 4-7. That, that overcome evil with good absolutely means do good. If they're continuing to persecute you, if they're continuing to hurt you, you continue to do good. Most of the time, Offenses are one time, but we hold on to them as though they're repeating. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's more so in rare cases that people continually, every day, offend us. Because I think we're all smart enough not to continue to put ourselves in that situation. So yes, it does mean overcoming evil with good by doing good towards them, regardless if they change or not. I want to add to that a little more. Let's look at Genesis 4 and 7. Here we are. Adam and Eve, they've been discharged from the garden already. They've had a couple of children, Cain and Abel. Let's start at four. I'm sorry. Four, and I'm going to read through seven. Here, they're giving their offerings to God. Adam and Eve had taught them to do this. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, fearful, fearful that Abel was going to be preferred. See that? Fear, anger. And his countenance fell. His is better than mine. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you fearful? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do, do not well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Overcome evil with good. That's for them, also for you. I want you to get this picture. You're standing here. Someone has offended you. Here is unforgiveness down at your feet. Because we're not going to pretend when somebody does something, says something, it hurts. And we initially have an impact. Our response is to lay it at the cross, to go to the Father and to allow him to tell us what to do. His word says we go to the person and handle it and talk about it and bring healing that way. That's how we overcome evil for good. And when we don't do it that way, 
evil that was down here at our feet comes up just a little bit by our ankles. Oh, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to handle it. A month goes by. You, you're still doing the same behaviors, ignoring them, trying not to be in the same room with them, not giving them eye contact. Oh, unforgiveness comes up here by the knee. We keep going. Unforgiveness comes up here by the waist. Oh, it's been six months. Oh, it's up here by the head. It says here, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Unforgiveness seeks to engulf you. He'll let you be hurt for a little while, but that's why we have to handle it. And if you don't handle it, it will entangle you. And we call it depression, anxiety, fear, anger, disappointment, sickness, suicidal, rejection. We give it all these other names. But we have to always check our heart. Have I forgiven? Or has unforgiveness overtaken me? Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil by doing good. Overcome evil. Kick it away. Give it no room in your life to engulf you. Give it no room in your life to take over because it doesn't play fair. It don't let you walk in unforgiveness for 60 days, and then on the 61st day, you're going to be all good. No. It wants to have you. It wants to eat you alive. It doesn't play fair. Overcome evil for good is absolutely for them, but it's for you too. Okay, it sounds good in theory, but how do I walk this out? You do it over and over again. When those thoughts come to avenge, do not avenge, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit will bring that word back up to you. When you're in a situation where you have an opportunity to bless them, to pray for them, to speak kindly of them, step up and do it. When you have an opportunity to overcome evil with good, you do that. And you keep doing it because this is like a muscle. If you go out and go to the gym and you're working out and you're picking up some weight, oh, it's going to be hard the first time. It's going to be difficult. It's going to require a lot of effort. But over time, that weight which you started becomes easier and easier until it's nothing. It's nothing to you. And then it becomes really sincere. It happens. It happens over time. But it is a supernatural choice meaning you have to participate. Amen? How do we overcome evil with good? Repeat with me, please. Avenge not ourselves. Give to him or her. Overcome evil with good. We've seen these examples in the Bible with Joseph and his brothers. I think we may be familiar with that story. He was thrown away through circumstances and events. He then became the uh, top official in Egypt, and his brothers came to him. He played with them a little bit, but overall, he did not avenge them because he could have killed them immediately on sight. No questions asked. He could have taken that into his hand, but he didn't do it. Then he gave to them. If you read the entire story, when they went and got their father and brought him back, he gave them land, and he didn't just give them a little bitty land, Maya. He gave them the best land in Egypt. Can you imagine all the other Egyptians? A little bit teed off about that. He gave them the land that belonged to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh approved this. He gave them the best, and then he overcame evil with good. 
he was restored back to his brothers. And get this, he let it go. It being the fear of rejection. If your brothers throw you in a pit, there's got to be something that you feel regarding that. And I think we see that in the story when he sees them and all he can do is cry. But yet he worked out that forgiveness by not avenging them, by giving to them, and by overcoming evil with good. But everybody in the Bible is blessed and anointed being an example. We got some present-day examples. Remember the family members in 2015 Charleston Massacre that took the lives of nine people? But when they did that trial, they collectively stood as family members and forgave Dylan Roof. I want to read what Nadine Collier said. Her, her mother died in this event. Her mother was 70. And at the hearing, she said to him, you took something very precious from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never, ever hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. They didn't ask for the strictest judgment. They did not avenge themselves. She gave to him. She blessed him. She prayed for his salvation. The greatest thing that he ever could need, his, his necessity. She wanted his house to keep running. And then she overcame evil with good. She let it go. They will no longer fear being Christian or being black. I think definitely and absolutely, we're talking about doing this over and over and over. It's going to be a work for us. It's very much possible. Christ, God doesn't ask us to do things that we cannot do. He does ask us to do things that we can only do through him because it's a supernatural choice. Christ did the same for us. He could have killed us. We were sinful. We were disobedient. But he didn't avenge. Instead, he gave his life for us. And then he gave to us. He gave us gifts. He gave us eternal life. He gave us abundant life. He gave us healing. He gave us prosperity. He gave us peace. He gave us joy. He gave us all the things that we need. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the fruit of the Spirit. He gave us protection, for the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous can run in and be safe. And there's so much more that he has given us. And he overcame evil with good. What the devil sought to take away from God, his creation, he restored back. And now we belong to him. And we no longer are a stench to him, but rather a sweet-smelling Savior in his, in his nostrils. Chip Ingram, that's uh, the writer of Romans 12, he says it best, that God wants you to love your enemies for your good and for his glory. Amen? We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. 
once again. Thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.